All right. Uh, I'm going to do this without tearing up, I promise you. Uh, because this is the last time that I am bringing this gentleman to the stage as our youth pastor. Welcome, Pastor Roger Sims. Check, check. Thank y'all. Oh, y'all sit down. Y'all so special. Y'all make me feel special. How's everyone doing this morning? I'm so excited to be here, so excited to bring the word to you. Um, before we start, though, I just got a little something I got to say. Is that okay? Can we? So one thing we say in our in 212 youth group is we say that it's okay to be hot. Yes, honest, open, and transparent. Honest, open, and transparent. And, and as, a, as a pastor, as we prepare messages each week, it's really easy to look at what's going on in our world and then want to say something about it. We actually have to fight that because it really is to go on a rant about, well, this is what needs to happen, or this is what we should do, and this is what should be happening. And you have to really ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say about this? Lord, what do you, how do you see this? And with everything going on in our world, Pastor Chris touched on it just a little bit. As the church, we should be the ones that stand up for what is right, and the world should be looking to us to how to guide, our, guide their lives. If I were to sit here and ask every one of you, hey, what do you think is going on with this issue? What do you think is going on? All of us would have either similar or different answers. And so when we try to then come up with a solution, we'd all have different solutions. But church, if I can tell you one thing, if you remember anything from this message, remember this one thing. Prayer is one of the most powerful things you have as a believer. When you're on the internet, I've seen some different things, and I know that the just behind it, they're saying no more thoughts and prayers, and they're talking about the people that we have voted into certain positions that have the ability to make changes to our laws. I know about that. But if you go along with that and think that your prayers are not powerful, you are missing it. Amen. If you go through the Bible, before battles were even fought, they were won because of two things, prayer and worship. Before they even stepped on the battlefield, before uh, anything happened, God's people prayed and worshiped, and the battle was won. If you could see in the spirit just what happens when you pray, what begins to move, how things begin to change in the atmosphere, if your eyes were just open for just a moment to see what happened, when you pray, you would pray about a lot more things. You would involve God in every area of your life. So please, oh please, as everything is happening, and it's like the world is doing this, and this is what's happening, and there's another shooting and another this, I understand, yes, that as people, we want to know what can we do, what do we, what do we need to do, and that is absolutely okay to have that mindset, but you better pray first and allow the Lord to speak to you and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Because it may be something that your prayer will end it all. Your prayer will take care of it. There's a scripture in, in Joshua where the angel of the Lord showed up and Joshua said, hey, um, are you on our side or are you on their side? The angel of the Lord said, neither. Basically, the angel of the Lord said, I'm not here to pick sides. I'm here to take over. Yeah. 
I'm here to take over. And guess what? When you pray, the God of the universe hears your prayers and he is ready to take over if the church will stand up and invite him into every situation in our lives. Amen? Because with everything going on and everything that we see, the time for playing games is over. This can't be where we come just to see, okay, well, let me make sure I have the right clothes on and what are people going to think about me? There's too much at stake for us to be concerned about the little things and not about transforming people's lives because people need Jesus. They need hope. They need love. They're looking for it. And that is when I believe as things begin to look darker, the church will begin to shine brighter and people will say, well, what is it that they have? Because the world is falling apart and I thought I could trust in this and trust in that and trust in this party and trust in that party and it's all going to crumble and it's all going to dirt and dust. But those people over there seem like they have it. And that's when the church should stand up and that's where we should be. Amen? Okay, got that off my chest. Whew. All right, so for my message, is on, on Senior Sunday, Graduation Sunday, it's really great because it's almost like I feel like I'm doing like a commencement speech because that's a goal of mine one day to give a commencement speech. Um, so you just got to bear with me. So I only have like two things I have to ask you. So Kenny said before, my message is it takes two uh, to make a thing go right, uh-huh, and it takes two to make it out of sight. So my first question, oh, can't do that, cannot Scratch the beard, sorry. Um, I only have two questions. My first question I want to ask you this morning is who are you following? Who are you following? When uh, around this time, whenever something major happens and then with the holiday coming up, Memorial Day, usually is a time of reflection. And my message today is a reflection message. I'm take you, it'll give you some, some tools, give you some questions, but you're going to have to do a part two and really reflect on your life and where you're going. So I'm going to ask everyone to do something, so you have to participate. Do me a favor, is to the person beside you, I would like for you to greet them with a handshake, but greet them with your less dominant hand. So your less dominant hand, greet them with a handshake, okay? Okay? All right. Good. Everyone, yeah, look at y'all mingling. That's great. Okay, part two. I want you to find someone else, but now you cannot use a handshake. You cannot greet them with your hand. Find another way to greet that person. Saw some headbutts, okay? People doing... Some elbows, some hugs. I say you can't use your hands, okay? Some people did elbows, and Pastor Sam and Savannah told them to calm down. That's not what I want them to do on front row. Um, so, real quick. So, when I said something other than your handshake, did, did anybody just freeze for a second and think, what do I do? Anybody feel a little awkward then when you turned around and saw that person? Like, wait a minute, I just did one person, I did okay, but now I got to do a second person, right? It felt a little, it's a little weird, right? I want us to, to understand something that 
who we're following is important. And what is going on in our world today is that there is a, there's been a narrative that's been created about the church that we're all hypocrites. And we're not the most loving people. We're not the greatest people. And sometimes we can be very, 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 very judgmental. And so why do I want to go there? And the other thing that will happen is with that narrative comes the idea that, well, I, I got Jesus, and that's what I really need, and I don't have to have the church. That, I, I found Jesus, so why, don't, why do I need the church? And in one of my scriptures, the first scripture I have, since I pull them up, is I have 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, starting verse 12. Thank you. I sent sent Eric so many different versions of this message, so I I want to make sure he got the right there. Thank you, Eric. You're the man. Um, He's the goat of of church media. Um, And it says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Verse 20, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care, so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require the special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All together as Christ's body, as each of you is a part of it. And the next scripture I have says, Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. So imagine if you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to Kenny, but I just want to talk to like his head. <laughs> that would be weird. Or if I go up to uh, Pastor Chris and like, I'm just going to, you know, handshake him, but I don't want his head. I just want his body. That's, again, we're getting morbid, a little creepy, weird, first-time guest, youth pastor on his way out, so just understand, I'm a loose cannon up here, so you're like, oh, come back next week, please come back next week. But that narrative that's created in this world is that you can just have Christ without the body, and you can just have the body without the head. Now, just how weird and morbid I just described talking to Kenny's head or talking to Pastor Chris's body is what the narrative has been created is that you can only have one of those parts and be fine. That's not how God intended it to be. It was intended to be that as Christ is the head and the church is his body, you take the full package. So that one, you're not alone. You have a community of believers. You have people alongside you, but you always refer back to the person that is leading, the person, the brains of the operation, Christ being the head. So to my young people, my graduates, do not believe that lie that you can just have one without the other. 
that you can come to church, have a good time, go to every single event, and then go home and never, ever interact with Christ at all. Never read your Bible, never Christ who is the word, never interact, never pray that just by going to church, I'm doing the best, I'm doing the greatest, and that's enough. Vice versa, you can't just stay in your room all the time and just read your Bible and never interact with the body of Christ. It's going to create an imperfect setup when God set it up perfectly for you to live, to thrive, to grow, to mature in Christ as a believer in your walk with God. He set it up that way. But if you are following everyone out there that says, well, you know, you just, you don't, I don't go to church anymore. You know, that's my thing. Me and God have an understanding. No, you don't. You don't have an understanding with God. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no. You know, me and God, we, you know, we on the same page. No, you're on a page somewhere else. He did not set it up for you to just be this lone wolf and never, ever, ever interact with the rest of the body because guess what? You might be the ear to hear something for somebody. You might be the hands that someone needs to connect and lay hands on somebody and then they receive their healing. If no one's told you, the body of Christ needs you. We need what you have. We need what God has blessed you with. We need it. The church needs it. So you're not an insignificant part. As the scripture just said, some of the parts that seem very small in stature are some of the most important parts of our body. So you are needed. So be careful, guys, of who you're following. Be careful who you're following. Part of my message when I, when I shared a little bit with this with, with the youth, I talked about the how the change of just from early signs of like when social media was first created, which was back in the 90s, I know, right? You think it was new, like back then, it was really undeveloped, but everything that started in the 90s, one of the first early social media was like six degrees. I had to Google this, I didn't even know. And they said that you were gonna make connections. And then there were a couple other sites, like um, there was something called like Zanga or something back in the day. It's where it's basically about blogging. So young people are like, what? So if you were like really gifted, like in English and words, like Ashley um, Fisher was at the time, you really excelled and everybody looked up to you. But if you um, were an Aggie, you just didn't sound very articulate. Um, sorry, I had to throw that in there. But, <laughs> but it, it didn't look good. And so it was like, you know, making connections. And then there was this thing called MySpace that came out. And... It was all about friends. How many friends you got? How many friends do you have? And, and then Facebook came, and Facebook was like the more mature one for us college people, and it was like more friends. And all of a sudden, there was this shift from connections to friends to now we have followers. And it's about who's following you. Who are you following? Do you have a big following? Oh, you have a large following, so now you can be labeled as an influencer, and people will, you can influence them by based on what you say and what you do. And that was really strategic by networks and corporations to see followers versus connections and friends. Connections and friends, he followers, let's go! <laughs> but then 
It focuses on like how many friends do you have to who's following you, which puts the focus completely back on you. And not on anything else, but how many followers, who are you following, and who's following you? It became me-centric. It was always me, it was always about you, but it became more prevalent about who you are. And I know everyone in here is not on social media. I know that. But our world is has been shaped and fashioned to focus on us. So again, I, I asked the youth this. I said, if I could go to your, your Instagram or your, your Twitter or your TikTok or whatever, and I looked at who you were following, I could find out a lot about you. If I looked at any of your pages and found out, like, took some of all your people you're following, it would give me a pretty good idea of who you are. Maybe not tell me exactly, but it gives me a, a little bit of a picture. So who are you following? What, what shifts your direction in life? Is it social media? Is it what someone says? Is it when you turn on the news and then you figure out what's going on for that day? Is it when you look at your horoscope for the day and because you were born a certain month and the universe says this and some stars that now you're going to have a great day? That was funny, but I come across students every day that have said, I'm going to fail this test today. I'm like, you've studied. Yeah, but you know I'm a Libra, so we don't do well <laughs> on rainy days that happen on a Wednesday, and it was supposed to be sunny, and now it's rainy because it's my fault, and it was when I was born. People live their lives based off of that. That's what they follow. So who's your impact? What, what changes your direction? Again, this is a reflection. Who are you following? It's really easy for a Christian to say, I'm following Jesus. I, I hope so. But do you spend time with the word? Do you spend time with the Lord? Guys, there's some of this stuff that's just non-negotiable when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to a relationship with God. You're not going to have a successful relationship with anybody on this planet if you don't spend time with them. You could just write it down, mark it. If I said, hey, babe, I, I'll see you Monday, and then I won't see you again for a couple days. The locks might be changed. I might not be able to get into my house. And then I'll be at my mom's house like, I got kicked out. Well, like, what did you think was going to happen when you're not spending time with her? What did you think was going to happen when we don't have time that we're spending with the Lord? One of the great, like, historical, fixture, uh, historical figures in the Christian faith, a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth, he said, Smith Wigglesworth, Wigglesworth, funny last name, amazing things. He said, if I don't spend time with God, my body begins to shut down. It's like I didn't have food. It's like I'm dehydrated. I get sick. I don't feel well because I need the presence of God in my life every single day. The world needs believers who are filled with the presence of God in their lives. But if we are following everything else, 
if we are following our horoscope, if we're following certain people on social media, if we are following what this celebrity said or what this actor said or what this musician, or if we're following uh, our sports team so, so vividly that that's the only thing we talk about, it's the only thing we understand, we're missing it. We've got to be tuned to the voice of the Lord. We've got to be tuned to the direction of where God is leading us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so with that, with that idea, it'd be easy to understand and, and people to think that there's no church that's doing anything good because the world tries to tell you, like, well, they're hypocrites, they're this, they're that. And that's just not true, guys. I said that's, that's not true. There are, there are a lot of churches that are doing the will of the Father, Amen. that they are taking care of the sick. They're taking care of the widows. They're taking care of the homeless. They are taking care of the people that need it. There are churches that are doing it well and doing it right and care about people. You're sitting in one of them. They care. We care about people. We care about where you're at in your life and what's going on. So don't just think that every church is wrong. So I just can't, I just can't find a church. There's enough churches in Tyler alone for you to find a lot of them that are doing things right. Okay? So you can get out there. You can find it, and you're sitting in one right now. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Make sure there's not another scripture of that. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> yes, the next scripture in Romans chapter 2, I'll just read it. Um, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Just, just, just sit that for just a second. <laughs> Don't you see how wonderfully kind, <laughs> tolerant, and patient God is with us? Amen. Amen. Does this mean nothing to you, the scripture says? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? The way it's been historically quoted is the goodness of God is what turns man to repentance. There should be his goodness just overflowing out of our lives. They should, it should just ooze out of you. They just bump into you, then just goodness just comes out. Just how good... <laughs> God is. I mean, just stop. Just stop for a second. I'll forget my notes. Forget the clock for a second. <laughs> God's goodness. Think about how good he has been to you in your life. Think about how good he has been. The fact that we sit here with breath in our lungs. How good is our father. Because again, everything, and I just, because I, I just try to see like what my, what my students are listening to and then have conversations with them. And, and it's like we do everything. Like you come into church, we're like, go away. Like we're just evil people. We just, we don't like you. Give me your money and leave. Like that's all we care about. And that's not the concept of church. That's not who we are as people. Because that's not who our father is. But we don't need to talk about this stage, we don't need to talk about how gifted and how talented this communicator is and this pastor is and this and, and this and this and this. We can argue and debate and then let's try to convince people. God's goodness yes. is what will make people see yes. and change their lives. 
Because I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible that there was, this was the God who, who when people were desperate, they walked through what was a sea on dry ground. That's the God that we serve. That we serve a God that, that when, when, when things were going, when a, well, it was horrible and they didn't know what to do, that they prayed and, and manna came down from heaven. And then they had shade to protect them during the, the hot summer days. We could use that in Texas, but, um, but this, they were protected completely. And then when a little teenage boy faced a giant who was undefeated, down goes Goliath. And all his brothers and his cousins, everybody died. And then we sang about the walls co- coming, just tumbling down because of a shout and a prayer from people. This is the goodness of God I'm talking about. That God took somebody who, was, who would be the worst imitation of a, of a person ever who Christians didn't like him and because he was killing them and God just blinded him for a second. Then changed his life. Wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. Was Saul, now Paul. And we talk highly about how great Paul was, how deep he was. That man was hated by Christians. But the goodness of God changed him to be one of the like pillars that we look to in Christian faith. That is the God that we serve. That is what needs to come out of our lives. We, just, we don't need to make it about us. We don't need to make it about the numbers. We don't need to make it about how fancy the lights are. I like fancy lights. We don't need to make it about like, how great this sounds. I, I love that, that we have talented musicians. Don't get me wrong. But it, they need to see God's goodness and hear about his goodness in our lives. Oh, yeah. Amen. Got to get to my other question. I said I only had two questions. So, yes, follow healthy people. 212, whoop, whoop, defines healthy as worthy of being copied, imitated, or worthy of being used as a model. I'm going to say that again. How we defined healthy in our youth group was worthy of being copied, imitated, or being used as a model or standard. What I mean by that, healthy relationships. When I did a series on healthy relationships with, with my youth group, I said, you should be able to follow me around and how I talk to Miss Olivia here on Sundays and at home and throughout the week and say, that's acceptable. Not to say we don't fight. Not to say we don't disagree. Not to say we don't talk passionately loud to each other from across the house, from one room to the next. I said, our daughter's going to hear you yelling. By the way, can we just stop for a second? Did y'all see my pregnant wife up here? That's so good. And this is, this is my first message I'm preaching in front of my daughter. So she said, she's, she's in a womb, but she said, I told her, I said, now look, if I get too boring or if it doesn't sound good, just start kicking and moving and mom will signal for me to, to get finished. Has she, has she moved at all? Okay. <laughs> She's a baby. She don't know no better. Um, so, so I'm going to try to get back to finish, okay? So we have to make sure that we are following healthy people. We have to yearn after the presence of God. 
which is something that we cannot see, and began to seek the things we can. We began to, we stopped yearning after the presence of God. We began to seek the things we can see, like power, fame, and attention. We have to seek his presence, which is something we cannot see. Okay. And my last question, and I will begin to wrap up with this story, is who is following you? So who are you following, and who's following you? Because again, it wasn't set up to be just you by yourself, but then you were supposed to turn around, as it says in the Bible, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You should be following somebody, and somebody should be following you. Um, But there's a story about a friend of mine um, in high school at the time when I was in high school, you know, as high schools do, they try to label people. And there was a, a friend of mine in, my, in a class, and I'm going to call his name. I'm gonna, so I won't say his name. We'll just say his name is Super Mario. How about that? Super Mario. So Super Mario wore dark clothes all the time, black clothes all the time, head to toe, always wearing black. And so they called Super Mario an emo kid. Only thing is, Super Mario was probably about as light as that wall on the walls on each side. So he was wearing dark clothes, but he was that bright. But Super Mario was really, really smart. And one time we had a group project, and they said, our teacher said, Roger, you and Super Mario together. And everyone made fun of me. They were like, ha, ha, you got Super Mario. He's the weird kid. And I was like, ha, ha, he's also the smartest kid in this class. So we got an A. He was the brains behind the operation. I just talked. Um, one time, Super Mario, though, I, in the conversation, I invited him to church. And at the time, our youth group was crazy. We was on the third floor. We was leading worship. Yeah, some of the oldies, OGs are in the house. Um, and he said, I never experienced God like this before. I never. And it was, it was amazing to watch how he was wearing dark clothes to, to hide a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden, he started changing his wardrobe, started wearing different clothes and, and different things that he wanted to wear. And he was just transformed. He was a new person. Now, the story about Super Mario gets, goes off is because he started reading his Bible, and he started from the wrong end. There's this book called Revelation. Revelation is like if you went to a fifth grader and said, you understand your timetables? They're like, uh-huh. Now you're going to do Calculus 4. So Super Mario got really into some, some deep stuff trying to understand Revelation. And he stopped coming to church. He stopped seeing him in class. He started wearing darker clothes again. And I was like, hey, is everything okay? He said, yeah, I'll be at church on Wednesday. So he was at church that Wednesday. And in our old building, the way the, it was set up, you had Pastor Sam's office. And then behind it, there was this little like break room where there was the, the cog machine and everything. And eventually, there was only one way in and one way out. So Super Mario takes me into this room and says, I have to tell you something. And I said, okay, there's only one way in this room and one way out. (laughs) Super Mario's wearing dark clothes again. He's closed all the doors. My angel of the Lord is going to have to kill him. And this is not going to look good because he's going to attack me. My angel's going to jump in. And then I'll be like, Roger, what happened? Look, I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. And then that doesn't look good. So... So he hands me this card, and he says, you need this. And on the card, it said, join Super Mario's army. General Super Mario, we have to be ready. The time is now. Alone in a room. He says, do you want to join my army? 
And I was so thankful that my youth pastor at the time, Pastor Corey, had just did a message. And it said, who's following you? And I said, Super Mario, who's following you? Have you talked to anyone else about this? And he said, yeah. I said, what did they say? He was like, a couple of them threw the card at me. A couple of them um, said, okay, and walked away. I said, anybody called you back? He was like, no. I said, how many people have you talked to? He's like, about 10 or 15. I said, and no one's called you back? He said, nope. Isn't that a sign? He was just like, I said, who's following you down this path that you're about to walk towards? He said, I never thought of it that way. And I said to him, and I got to just pray with him and talk to him because in Revelation, I don't know if you know this, we are in Revelation. Yeah. If you never read Revelation, talk about plagues and wars and rumors of wars and it said that the price of a loaf of bread would be a day's wages and hadn't the price on everything gone up like higher than it's ever been everything so this isn't to scare you but you need to read the book but we are supposed to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise and there should be somebody that you are looking to to guide you and direct you. And then there should be people that you turn around and say, hey, this is how we do this. And I told him, I said, you're not wrong for trying to be prepared. I said, but we already have a general, so we don't need you to be a general, Super Mario. We already have someone who has gone ahead and fought the war and won the war and won the battle, so now we just need to stand. And we have to believe, we have to trust God, and we have to stand. He's like, oh, that's great. And the story does end well. Super Mario ended up going on to graduate with an accounting degree. He's a really brilliant, really smart person. So it's great. We stopped handing out weird cards about joining an army. But the fact is, is guys, there should be people following you. You should be showing and guiding someone in the direction of the Lord and how to have a relationship. And if you don't have someone to look up to, you can find that person really easily. Just ask God. You can pray and he'll show you. Amen? Amen. So I'm supposed to bring um, this good-looking piano player up here to come and play. So good-looking piano player, come up here. Yeah, you big guy. <laughs> he told me to do that. I said, Josh, Josh come over here, Josh. Come on, we're going to finish this. So... I'm going to wrap up with this. I was supposed to wrap up a long time ago, but like I said, this is, um, like Patrick Chris said, I made it through. We didn't cry. This is our, my last Sunday as officially as the youth pastor, and, and now it's hitting. <laughs> because I joined this church as a young teenager, and I'm leaving as a soon-to-be dad, and I have enjoyed every step of this journey. Pastor Chris, if you want to come on up, but I just want to say, church, it has been an honor to serve you, an honor to be with you. This is not goodbye. This is just see you later. We'll still come and visit. We'll still be around. We're taking some time to obviously get ready for our little one coming, but also just take some time to, to rest and pray and then see what God has for us. So thank you all so much. <laughs>